Welcome to the Yes Vision Podcast, a project dedicated to sharing inspiration from real people combined with tools you can use to allow yourself to say yes to a better self. Hi, I'm Bandana Agarwal, and thank you for tuning in to the Yes Vision. Today we have with us Uttam Sharma, co-owner of the International Yoga School, Three Morthy Yoga. Uttam has been a major inspiration in my life in the ways he's choosing to live with purpose and helping people from around the world on a daily basis. He has overcome divorce and separation from his child, and today he will share with us his journey of finding acceptance, spirituality, and love while giving back to the world. Thank you for joining us for episode four of the Yes Vision podcast. I am very excited to have you with us because you have been an inspiration in my life since we met, what, it's been about, what, four years now? You were a major support during my healing process when I went through my life challenges and your philosophy on life and your perspective for the world helped me also find new grounding and perspective of life. I am so excited to share you and your philosophy and your view of the world via this podcast. Thank you for coming and joining us. Thank you so much for having me here. Lovely, lovely. So just let's get right into it. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing and your background. I have mostly in India all my life and uh... My parents are like a non-traditional. My father is from the army, and uh, so we moved places and you know, traveled across India in my growing up years. And uh, we are a small family, so my mother is a housewife, and I have a younger brother who's just one year apart from me, is young, younger by one year. And our education has been mostly across India and with non-traditional values, going to different schools, changing locations every three years, and seeing most of India through the length and breadth of it. And your dad was in the army, which is why you. Absolutely. So that was one reason, and I would say we were fortunate to be able to move so much. That would give us an opportunity. In those days, we did not have phones or something to get back to friends. We would make friends every time we traveled places. We lost connections and we new connections. So it did open a window to kind of being having this ability to adapt to new cultures and people every time. So I think that has really helped in saying that we don't belong to one place. Even today, if somebody asks me do I belong to any one city, I don't think I belong to any one city. And it gives me that that place where I can adapt to new places very quick when I move and travel. So I think that's, that's awesome. been a great opportunity for me to, as part of my growing up. When you say non-traditional family, what do you mean by that? Usually Indians have a very fixed mindset of what you can do in your life and who you want to be, how you grow up by certain values. And my parents have been pretty open about it. Like my sister-in-law is from Europe and she is Christian. We are Hindus, Brahmins. And... That was not an obstacle for my brother to be with, be with her. And that's a big shift. Mm-hmm. And I think my parents are pretty open-minded people in that perspective. And I've personally seen that they have transitioned themselves for time with this concept or any kind of concept. They've been pretty open-minded about anything as we move forward. So, yeah, so they adapt. They adapt to how life is. You know, they give us our space and they understand what we want to do and why we want to do. And they're open to our new ideas of what we want. Mm-hmm. So there is no one way of living is how they think and what goes with you, what makes you happy. And that probably played a huge part for you as you were going through these transitions at different points in your life when it came to getting divorced or changing your traditional corporate lifestyle into a yoga lifestyle. Absolutely. I think that's, that's played a very big role in the sense of how they see life because a traditional parent would always say that, hey, you have such a great career going, why would you want to do your job? And they were open to this idea of me making this choice of moving out of my career and doing something completely new. That's awesome. And I think that is that support from people closest in our lives that help 
the transitions be easier and um, more enjoyable, actually. So I think that's really great. And we'll definitely talk more about that transition. Talk to us a little bit about the part of your life that I know that resonated with me when we first met was your love story and the heartbreak that followed that separation, the divorce, that whole period of your life. I know the first day that we actually had a real conversation and spent time talking, you were so open about telling me the story of your life. You were very open to the point that it was allowing me to feel I could be vulnerable as well and talk about my story and my heartbreak. And I thought that was so beautiful because you make it so easy to discuss because you're open about your own life. That story started off as a young love story in college. So let's talk a little bit about the beginnings of that. Yeah. So my, I met my wife in my post-graduation in the college and she was my, like I would say she was my first love of my life and we dated for about five years and it was instant. I think not that she agreed to me being with her in the first place. It took a while for me to convince her to get along. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but even then, like, you know, we stayed together for a while and then we were married for 10 years. And so we took put together, it was almost like being together for 15 years of our life. So I did find love in her and I always loved her. And, you know, even today in some ways I love her. But I think the concept of love for me is that it's kind of, it, it's always been instant. It's not something that you create or something. And I believe that love is something which is existing from past lifetime connections with people and not just people that you fall in love with. It's all the people that come across in your life who matter to you or even otherwise are connections in some sort of a lifetime. It's not random that you meet somebody. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is just meant to be that good. So I think that was how it was with her. And I feel, felt deeply connected with her. And uh, that's how we went together. And we were together for 15 years. Was that love at first connection, you'd say? Yeah, from my side, pretty much I would say that because I was like pretty drawn to her and I was pretty deeply connected with her all through the relationship. And she was your first girlfriend? She was my first first serious girlfriend. She was my first love and got married eventually. Mm -hmm. What insights did you gain from the age of 22 of first meeting her to 15 years later when the relationship ended? So you said that you went through a period where you actually had to fight for the relationship. So I yeah. think we've talked about this is that her parents weren't coming around initially because of I believe, the past. Yeah, yeah. So she came from a different caste. We were from Punjab and they're from Haryana and they have this thing in India about Haryana's not getting married to a caste. So her parents had a huge objection for letting this thing happen. And so it was a kind of fight to get this sorted. And it took a while for me to work around this. Uh, almost like three or four years. That's the reason we married. Like when twenty-seven, it took five years of dating in different cities, traveling to be together, and then finally getting the parents around. It was a lot of hard work to get there. You had full conviction that she was the right person for you. Yeah, I think you know conviction in the sense that I had deep love for her, and that's what my conviction was that I loved her and I would do anything to be with her. So that's where my conviction got driven from. But love is another angle that when you are in it, it's very difficult for you to be objective about it. It's not easy for you to be able to step back and see objectively that whether the person is who you want to be for your life. I would say that is something that I've learned over time. And it's, even today, it's hard to do that. It's easier said than done when you say that you want to be objective in love because there is no objectivity in love. Uh, love as emotion is not objective. You don't try to rationalize the love. But yes, I would say that if one has to look at certain signs that you get from whether you want to be with the person for a long term, there can be certain signs that you wouldn't want to compromise on. 
And uh, maybe through my relationship, there were signs before that I could have caught on and said, these are things I would not compromise over time in life. But in the heat of the moment, it was like, okay, uh, you wouldn't look at that side. I was she was the so, only one for you at that time. Yeah, so at that time, I would, was blindly into it and I wouldn't care for anything else. Were but, you ever provided insights from your close friends and family that hey, this, there may be problems later in life because you clash on your ideologies or your outlook on key aspects of life? Honestly, no, I don't think so. We uh, ever had any such kind of a feedback from anybody. They felt we were good. Everybody felt we were good because we were good with each other, honestly. I think it was just that there was this angle of how she would have dealt with my parents after we got married, or how our son would be brought up. So that's a different new dimension that got added later on with our differences. But there were very subtle incidences or subtle things that were playing in the background on it, you know, when you're with somebody and you can't, that is where one misses out and that's where one doesn't see. Uh, in the long term, they can, you know, kind of shoot out into bigger problems. I think you kind of already alluded to it as right is after the marriage, there was a point in which how you guys viewed each other's parents and how you chose to raise your son differed. That was what led to you guys making a decision to end the relationship. How did that come about? I think the relationship is a lot about give and take both ways. I felt through the relationship that. I was doing a lot more than what she was doing in the relationship. So there was a lot of giving all the time. There was no receiving happening. I think it's a two-way highway. And that was missing in a big way. And as her son came along and she had her own views and ideologies of the way she wanted to bring him up. So I think it was a major shift after that in the direction that we took in our life. took a different turn after four years of having a child. Ideologies can be like subtle to a certain level. And then they are stronger as you go through as go through in life and there's some values which are told to you and you don't want to compromise them so i think being together one needs to understand what are the core values that you hold dear to yourself and whether as a couple you want to hold them together for each other because if you're lacking support from the other partner on holding your core, core values i think that's a big differentiator in being mm-hmm. together eventually i think that is where i failed in understanding uh, what was core to my values and what was core to her values and uh, we had a follow-up because of that I, that's how it put it basically during that transition phase in which the relationship was coming to its end, how did you manage that transition? Going to the process of me handling it, I think there was a lot to it because it's not easy, you know, suddenly something like this hits, like a truck hitting you on the highway, so, you know, you want to get aside. I never thought that we will be separate in our life. Uh, I was thought it would be like perfect. And uh, so it was just everything was right and then suddenly something like this happens and it's like a shocker. There was a lot of anger initially, I would say, to handle this, you know, I, I usually don't get angry, uh, but when I do, I do get bad. Something work in progress for me personally, even today. But yeah, there was a lot of initial anger of why this happened. And uh, I think that was a place where I went wrong in the way I handled life. Even through the process of handling the situation when it aggravated, I think anger shouldn't have been there. And there were a lot of questions, why me and why did it happen? And what if this and what if that? Initially, it was also a phase where I, where I was working towards saving the relationship. Then over time, it was about finding acceptance to this, that it's not going to work out. I think acceptance did take a while to express this, that she moved to a different city after our separation and she moved out of town from where we were in Pune and she went to Delhi. So uh, I was not going to see her every, every week or every month. Finding acceptance was one thing to it, that there's no point fighting this own battle in your head. Because that was tearing me apart initially. I think in the first six months or eight months of our separation, it was just tearing me down mentally that 
why was this happening and i just couldn't answer any question to myself and i was like at a point where i said i just cannot fight this mental battle i have to stop it and i had to make an effort to stop asking questions to myself and say this is it uh, and i'm not going to try anything else so, how did you find that acceptance because i feel like that is a battle within itself that we incur this challenge then we try to come up with solutions where we aren't angry with a rational mind we try those solutions they don't work and we get frustrated even more right there's more anger there's more sadness that point of acceptance is the key right to moving on with your life and and finding happiness again finding contentment how did you find that acceptance it's not easy you know i think finding acceptance means that you being able to realize that there is nothing you can do about a situation or thing this is how it is you got it and you are going to accept what is there on the plate and imagining what's going what could have been there so you just accept what is there and i think it's an internal battle right it's a long internal battle and it's about being able to live in the present i would say so it's about this ability to switch from past or future into the present so it's not about thinking about how life was or how life could have been thing this is how life is mm-hmm. and i think that was a big thing and then i think the next big step is being able to forgive uh, is being able to forgive the person who was with you or even being able to forgive yourself if you did anything wrong so i think it's both ways so i think it's being able to forgive yourself and being able to forgive her for that mm-hmm. and move forward so finding acceptance and forgiving are a big part of it yeah no absolutely during that point in which she had moved to delhi and you were still in pune and bombay working what was your support system during the separation and divorce phase i have always been a very emotional person and you know i've been fortunate to have this family who's very close to me uh, my friends and they have cricket in the family and so they were my cushion in terms of my need for relating to a family because i was not going back to a family at evening and that was that was something missing in my life on a daily basis so their children and uh, the couple were my great support in terms mm-hmm. of being, having this feeling of having a family and i've seen that connection established with a lot of other children in my life over the years that wherever i go i connect with children over time i find that expression of my father would coming through there that satisfaction of being able to relate to children that makes me happy on a daily basis and i think my parents have been amazing about it and i think they've been very supportive of what i went through and uh, they always stood by me and my brother so i think it was this buffer of having emotional connect with somebody so mm-hmm. then but that's a process of healing i would say i don't think it is possible for emotion like love to be replaced by anything love has to be replaced by love so and it is like this huge need to belong to something you mm-hmm. know it's it always stays your parents always there we know it i my friends are there then this one person who is suddenly vanished overnight from your life who you could relate to and said said that you belong to is no more there that is a big vacuum i think the only way i could have healed better or healed is by being in love again or being with that there's two parts of healing for you because you had at that point lost your wife your companion and your son was so far away from you now yeah. so there's this element that even though yes your wife is now your ex-wife but your son is still your son you know how did you manage that separation with your son so i like my wife wouldn't let me speak to my son as much she kind of she was kind of controlling my time with him so i have limited time with him every week one thing that i made sure was that i didn't kind of create more bitterness in the relationship 
have to be separated. I didn't fight for my increasing time with her or demanded that. And I took whatever she offered me. And I always told my son that I loved him the most in this world and I made sure that that line of communication was happening with my son. So even today when I go to travel to see him and she does make a point that she's always there with him when we go for a dinner or a lunch, I always tell people that if you want to find us sitting on a table, you will not be able to say this is a broken family. Mm -hmm. So I think that thing of me not fighting with her anymore and not kind of pushing her and giving her own space because she felt insecure. And so I give that, I gave that fear, that space for her to be able to cope. With that. Yeah. And I think fortunately for our son, he doesn't feel the brunt of it. Then upbringing has been that there's no negativity or bitterness in the relationship. So I think it's been good for him as a growing child that he finds that stability that the parents are still friends and they talk to each other on the phone like normal people or when they sit down for a dinner, they absolutely find. So that yeah. was a compromise. A big compromise on your part. And I think that's really commendable is to say that you put the priority of your son not feeling the negativity. You protected him from that by giving your ex-wife that space. Yeah, sure. Do you ever go back and regret that? Do you ever feel like, you know, you missed so much time that you could have had that you went through a nasty divorce process in court? I think life is about making choices and choices are in the present. Again, it would be living my life in the past of saying what could have been right and what could have been right. So there was a reason why I chose that path of not fighting it. Or my father was always the one who kept telling me and pushing me, saying that that's the counter view of saying you can fight this battle in the court and you know, get more time with him. And, but I knew that was going to create bitterness between the three of us. Like she would feed negative negativity to him if I fought this hard with her. And I told this line, and I don't think I have any regrets to go back and think it could have been any other way. Like in the last few years, I see a difference where she is now able to give more time yeah. for me with Shorya. So it's kind of growing, and it's a slow process, but it's growing. And patience is such a big part of it, right? It's, we learn that is oftentimes in the heat of emotion, we react. And if sometimes we step back, we, we breathe. I mean, for patient, we might be able to see the long-term solution, something that would be more peaceful and happy. Even, and I think that's what you did. You had the foresight to step back and say, I'm going to find peace yeah. for the most important person in this situation. I think it's about yourself. saying whether negotiation is better or what is better, and negotiation is better. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't want to go on a war with her because I still respect the fact that she's still a mother to our child. And she puts in a huge effort bringing him up on a daily basis. And Can you say today that you have fully healed? It's a long process. So I don't think uh, you can fully heal from something as traumatic as uh, separation or something. So there's a part of me which is broken. And I think that will remain broken for my life. And one needs to find acceptance to that. And it should not stop me from living my life the way I live today to the fullest. And there's nothing to fix in that. It just stays with you as part of you. It's interesting you say there's nothing to fix in that. When something's broken, we automatically think we fix it. That part that you say is broken, I think so, you automatically connect it to sadness. Yeah, so you're kind of stepping forward to say or think that what comes out of it. It's my own way of trying to deal with the situation, but uh, there is no perfect solution for that. I think that's just, I think that's beautiful because it, it's, very, it's very hard to accept the parts of us that have gone through so much. And it's okay that it's not right. It's yeah. okay that you felt the pain. It's okay that you were with it, and it'll remain there as part of your experience of life, as part of what life has to offer. You. 
And I think we oftentimes as a society try to always paint everything as very positive. And that's not true. Also, I think in the society, what we are chasing is perfectionism of saying what a perfect person is to be like. And it's fine to live with your broken parts or to live with your own flaws as long as you don't hurt other people. And that's absolutely fine. So it's finding acceptance in what is their life and saying you have to fix something. There is nothing to fix because it is broken and it is fine to be broken. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Other tools of healing. Were there ones that you didn't seek out perhaps that you wish you had at that time? Looking back, I think, you know, in Indian society, it's very rare that you go to a psychologist or something to consult. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the right approach. Like in a modern society, there is room for that because it is again that you are in a situation where you're not able to objectively stand back and see how you can heal yourself better because you're dealing with emotions. Like my emotions are like live fire. You're trying to go through them and find the maze and it's not easy. And a third person who is not, who's not in that has objective view of that and can help you. I think that's, that was a missing link in my own healing process that could have been faster had I gone to a psychologist or to a life coach uh, who can show me different ways of looking at the same situation and, mm-hmm. you know, wading out of the water. You're quite a spiritual person. That's something that's very obvious when someone meets you immediately, they can understand that that's a big part of who you are and an element of your life. Was that something that found after the divorce or was that already within you and that was part of also your healing process i think it was always there within me somewhere but you know when you go through a um, life-changing situation i think these are the there are tough questions that you ask yourself and like what is the purpose of life or what do you like is it worth doing what you do on a day-to-day basis so these are tough questions and i think spirituality does help in a big way to find that path and way to it and it got accentuated, I would say, in the later half of my situation of going through my separation and divorce that these things became more important to me in my life more than ever. So I, mm-hmm. I think I was, I was there, but it was not so strong because in a corporate job or life, you're just running morning to night to be somebody or something in your life, the next level uh, from a materialistic perspective. But uh, you start asking these kind of different questions for any life only after you go through something radical. Is that around the time when you started to question your profession? You had been in corporate India in various roles, climbing up the corporate ladder for, what, 15 years at that time? 17 years. Yeah. yeah. 17 years. And yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. So when something as big as that shakes you up, you want to question everything you do, like I said. And that was the time when I started questioning. It was worth, was it worth doing what I was doing on a day-to-day basis? More so from a perspective, did it add value to people's life? And the answer was a no, because I was selling processed food. And I know it's not healthy. Anything opened out of a can is not healthy to eat. Fresh food is the best thing to do. And so the answer was no for me. But at the same time, it was not a random decision for me to just quit my job waking up one morning or thinking about that. I, soon after my separation, and I had kind of planned to be financially stable like my personal life was destabilized in that sense and i grabbed what was under my control and finances was something i want to get right on top of after that and i planned step-by-step approach of being debt free mm-hmm. in the next few years and i did that and having a solid financial saving so yes i did ask the hard questions to myself that given a choice would i want to live a life differently yes the answer was yes would i want to keep selling what i was selling or sell something else the answer was no i wanted to add value to people's life clearly uh, yeah. and find 
my expression in that. And you didn't immediately have this idea that you were going to move into the world of yoga, but you had already started that the gears were turning on I'm not living life with the purpose that I want, which is adding value to people's lives. In that thought process, you were giving up a high paying job. You were giving up this great ranking position within a corporate company. What was that like? That decision point of, you know, there will be a change in your lifestyle. It's a hard call to say I'm giving up something that I've grown up to be educated about and suddenly move shift into a line which is not familiar and you're not doing that and it's a completely different line. So I think my parents have been great support for me in that and they said do what you what goes right with you and rather it's been my mother who nudged me into it in some ways I would say along with my brother because he had this business going before I joined it. Like he had started four years from before I quit and I knew from the day one how this business was and how it was created and how it worked. So it was that emotional support that I had from them. There's many of us who say we want to find more purpose in our day-to-day life and our careers. We want to add value to the world. But you get stuck sometimes because you don't know how to do that. You know, what would you recommend in that phase? I think it's more about a lifestyle choice. And I made a completely different lifestyle choice on a day-to-day basis. After going through my separation and divorce, these were the hard calls that I took. I have a lot more time today of how I conduct myself and my own food habits or my my investment into my own health, which was missing in my corporate life in a big way. I feel that my life radically changed in the last five or six years after I quit my job in the way I see time and how I invest that time in myself. And I, with what I do also, I find expression of myself in that in the sense that even though I don't understand yoga, it gives me a deep sense of joy of how I contribute to the school in the functioning in the way it operates and how people find value in when they come to do the course and when they leave and they're grateful for what they experienced. So there's a direct correlation of seeing uh, how you have value added to people's life in yeah. how they see life. And well, I have to disagree because I, I think you understand yoga more than most people understand yoga because I think there's this misconception that yoga is so much more than the asana. Yoga is about the choices you make in your life, how you're living your life because you live the ideology that yoga provides more strongly. Absolutely, absolutely. This has been said to me more, more often, like in the last few years, that whenever I say I'm not a yogi and people come and tell me that, no, we think you're a yogi, live more than. Yeah. So it's not that what, what is on the mat. I've been lucky and fortunate to experience this closely process and self-development. I think it's been a great journey in the sense that it's completely exposed me to something that I would have never been exposed to in my corporate life. If there was one quote or motto that resonates with you today what would that be? oh this one that stays with me recently and very strong one it says that there is but one god and his name is true it's a Sikh religion quote from guru nanak and it's such a strong statement for me and means a lot what does living with truth mean it's like how you conduct yourself i think it's a big part of uh, who you want to be and how you want to be and that's the ultimate litmus test that anybody can have. And that's only yardstick because that's all that exists and that is all that will exist ever. Well, thank you so much. This has been very insightful and it's been lovely just to hear your philosophy on different parts of life. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into episode number four of the Yes Vision podcast. We hope you found Uttam's journey as inspiring as we have and in efforts of building a community. We want you to connect with us and Uttam via our Instagram page at 
the Yes Vision podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to the Yes Vision at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And stay tuned for next week as we bring you more amazing journeys.